Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. So in this morning's gospel passage, the sixth Sunday of Pascha, and also from the epistle that we just heard from the Acts of the Apostles, both of these, the healing of the man born blind, and also the encounter that Paul and Silas had with the young woman who was possessed, in both of these miracles that occurred, there was a series of discussions, there was a series of meetings, of interviews, of arguments, and even of violence, all of which was purposed to find out what had happened. And you can see just from, if you have your bulletin or if you've read these before, these are both very long passages that we heard from, from the Acts of the Apostles and from the Gospel of John, because they both go in great detail about what happened. So both in both cases, there are questions that, are, that arise. And it leads to these discussions and these arguments and at least on the surface, a search to find out what happened. But really, the essence of the people, the essence of the understanding of the people around there was a real sense of confusion, of frustration, of multiple opinions. And that's really where we find ourselves in society today. And we've heard this and know this because it seems as if every day we are inundated with all sorts of communication of news through social media, through the television, through the computer, through our phones, and around about all sorts of things that are going on in our world, differing opinions, arguments, frustrations, anger, hate, all these things are surrounding us. Everyone pointing the finger at everyone else. And that's what is taking place not only in this story or these stories that we heard today, but also in our world today. So what was happening was kind of reframed or the narrative was changed to fit the people of that time. And sadly, the same thing is happening today. So yes, we understand this confusion. We understand this frustration. We understand this anger, even. It's something that we experience on a daily basis, and it leads to even greater problems. We get frustrated. We get confused. We get disoriented. And we try sometimes to push back on this confusion. Or we get swallowed up 
in it or even obsessed with it. Or sometimes we may just stand back and get cynical about it. But the bottom line is, is that we oftentimes are no different than these individuals, these folks that we hear about in this morning's scripture lessons. Because we really don't know what's going on around us. Yet there are things that we can do and disciplines that we can undertake that will extract us, will remove us from all this confusion. And there are people in our life who would really like to talk about these things rather than all of the negative, all of the confusion, all of the division, all of the hate. But you see, our church, in her wisdom, has good news. The good news, of course, is Jesus Christ. But what does this mean for us as we ourselves face this on a daily basis? These are the things we need to understand and that our church brings to us with these gospel passages, with these epistles, with these hymns, with these prayers. Everything that we have and is presented to us is to redirect our attention, to redirect our hearts and our souls, to redirect our lives so that we can rise above this confusion. So think back first on the gospel lesson. The man who gets healed is immediately swept up into this controversy. He's interviewed, he's interrogated, and ultimately, as we heard, he is excommunicated. He is cast out from his place of worship, from the synagogue. He's expelled from the community that he was in. But even in the midst of all this, John, in his gospel, tells us that Jesus Christ comes and finds this man, which means, and it's not just in this gospel passage, but in everywhere we read about these miracles that occurred, these encounters. The one last week when he was at the well, he knew that the Samaritan woman would be coming there to draw water for something to drink. So he went to where she would be. And he went and found this man who was born blind, who was suffering, and in the midst now of a controversy after he had been healed. He does the same thing for each and every one of us. No matter what's going on in our lives, what's going on around our life, what's going on in our families, in our communities, in our community at large, in the world, wherever it is, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is looking for each and every one of us. He's here with us today. His Holy Spirit is alive and present among us. It will ultimately come in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that we will receive in spirit and in truth and actually and physically receive this. He is with us wherever we go when we are open to his presence in our lives.
if we are followers of Christ, if we are authentic Christians, especially in the world today, we should expect, just as this man did, to receive more condemnation rather than accolades. The love of our Lord has been twisted. The message of love that our Lord brought has been twisted and seems to be bad and problematic in the world. The followers of Christ who are distinguished, or at least they should be, by love and service to others are being condemned as being evil people. Paul and Silas are an example of that. Paul did a good thing, and yet he was condemned for it, and he was put in jail. There is one reward, though, that Paul and Silas received from God, even in the time of uncertainty and being treated unjustly. One reward of following Christ is that we can experience peace in the midst of conflict. And indeed, in both these encounters, there was conflict. Most of us associate peace with the absence of conflict. Think about any of the wars that occur. Peace comes when there's no longer fighting. Peace is generally possible only when the conflict has ended. And yet, in today's passage from the book of Acts, we read that despite being in the inner prison, as we heard, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. In the middle of the night, in the middle of prison, there was a scene of peace, not only for Paul and Silas, but for those who were in prison with them. This is an example of peace in the midst of conflict, the kind of peace, the kind of peace that can only come from God. Peace in the midst of conflict. The final scene in this passage from Acts that is in this middle of peace that came from singing and praying, God made a miracle because as we heard the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. But what did Paul and Silas do? They remained in jail. The jailer was afraid that if they had escaped, he would have been condemned and put to death. Paul told him that no one escaped. Paul witnessed to him. He chose, he didn't choose freedom because it would have broken the law. And to see Paul experience this peace in the midst of conflict, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of his own danger, the witness inspired that guard to be baptized, him and all his family. So Paul gave this bold and courageous witness for Christ. It brought him both conflict and peace, and it led others to the Lord, because we know ultimately Paul was crucified. And it is appropriate for us to reflect on our own witness for Christ and ask ourselves, does our experience of Christ and our witness for him bring conflict? Have we experienced Christ's peace in the midst of conflict? 
And has anyone come closer to Christ because of something that we have said or something that we have done? As I said a few moments ago, in society today, there are often opposing positions and misunderstandings. Yet the issue is not about assigning fault or blame. The solutions that we seek should always, always be oriented in the direction of understanding and reconciliation. That is why in the Gospel passage, the healing of the man born blind is such a perfect example for us. Jesus is the one that I said noticed the man, but the disciples are the ones who noticed his condition. When they asked the Lord, who sinned that he was born blind, the man himself or his parents? This is a lesson in and of itself, this one phrase. The Lord sees every condition of every per person, and he sees the condition of his church at all times. He sees, but does not judge, although he is the only righteous judge, as we understand. He has no anxiety about us, no worry, for he did not see this man born blind as a problem. He saw him as a solution. But the disciples were troubled by the appearance of the man born blind, who was at a distinct disadvantage, for he could see neither them nor the Lord. His blindness from birth all his life did not fit into the disciples' view of a loving creator. They asked their questions because somebody had to be blamed. Somebody had to be at fault. All they wanted to know was whose fault was it that this man was blind, that this man was suffering, that this man could not see. And so it is with us sometimes in the life of the church. We don't understand a particular situation. We point our finger at something else or someone else. We seek to place responsibility somewhere else usually on anybody but ourselves. It is as if the question, am I my brother's keeper, has become a refrain of despair and disinterest, an excuse for not facing the simple yet profound fact that we are indeed responsible for one another. And if this is true in the life of the church, then it is so much more in the greater community that is around us. In the midst of yet another horrible tragedy that took place just a few days ago, down in our own state, in Uvalde, we who bear the name of our Lord Jesus Christ are indeed responsible for our neighbors, all our neighbors, those who are hurting, those who are suffering, those who are in need of love. When the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? The Lord didn't answer them as they had probably expected. The disciples offered only two cho choices. It was this man or it was his parents. But the Lord answered them, no one sinned, neither the man nor his parents. He was born blind, 
so that God's deeds might be manifest in him. Suddenly the disciples' question did not matter. It wasn't about sin, guilt, fault, blame, or anything else. The Lord looked beyond into the eternal purposes of the divine will and saw what could be manifest in this man who was born blind. That is the message of this gospel. We, or rather have we, embraced the call of God to be responsible for one another. And this mutual responsibility that we are called to have as followers of Christ binds us together to be keepers of our brothers and our sisters, all who are around us. So may we always be such keepers of one another, and may we in doing so glorify our God who is risen from the dead to grant eternal life to every soul. Amen.